This is the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast to help you fire your boss and become the CEO of your own business in under 12 months. I'm your host, Brian O'Neill. What would you do if you walked into work tomorrow and got let go? No questions asked, and you had no backup plan. What would you do? Well, today we're talking to Kara Bantam O'Neill. Yes, she is my sister. And we're talking about this exact scenario. This happened to her, except she was ready for it, even though she thought it would never happen. So you're going to hear how she was able to pivot and turn what her passion was, what she was really good at into a business in a short amount of time. Let's get right to it. Hey, sis, welcome to the show. Hey, bro. How's it going? It's going great. Good to have you on. Guys, if you haven't figured it out by now, Kara Bantam O'Neill is my younger sister, barely, a couple of years. And she's actually been, she was on my other podcast uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was, uh, that I no longer run anymore. But I've asked her to be on this show, the WT Prison Break show, because, Kara, you've had a recent event happen to you that I want you to share with the listeners because it's super valuable. There's a lot of nuances to it, and, and I, I want you to talk about what happened, what the event is. I'll let you tell the story. I don't want to give it away. So just kind of take us through what happened over the last, uh, I don't know, maybe it's three, four, five, or six months, but just kind of walk us through what happened. Okay, yeah. I mean, last year in May, I was laid off from a job that I had been at for 10 years. And with that job, I was very comfortable, very 10 years is a long time for the industry that I'm in to be in one place. And there was a time when I was there that I literally felt like I was untouchable. And leadership had basically said that to me. Like I could do anything and still keep my job because I was so good at what I was doing there. But, you know, I, I, corporations are corporations. And at some point, they want to make cuts. And when they want to make cuts, I guess they don't really care about who's the best and who's not the best. I mean, that's my take from it. It's about numbers. And I became a number. And that's unfortunate, but that's what happened. So one day I went into work and I was doing my regular routine and just got called to HR and that was that. And did so- you know, Did you know that was happening? No, I did not know that, that was happening. I, I just, I went to work and I did my, I was running my groups and I was doing, I'm a clinician by trade. And so I was doing the regular things that I had normally been doing. And they just called me in on the way over there. I knew what was happening. I had been in this business long enough and I've been, I'm old enough to know that, that I wasn't there to get like, you know, a cup of coffee and some donuts. So <laughs> when I walked in the room, you know, when HR is there and like leaders are there, it's like, oof, okay. And, you know, in that moment, I just was kind of stunned and shocked. But again, not so much, you know, because I am a 48-year-old woman. I have been around the block many times. I understand corporate America, but still at the same time, I thought I was safe. I just thought that wouldn't happen to me, honestly, even though it's already happened to me before, which you point out. So it this happened was to you before. It happened to me before at the same place. At the same place. How long ago was that? That was in 2008. They had a huge change of leadership and I was really at the bottom of the rung. I had just started over. Basically, I was working at a place that I had gone to treatment myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm working at a substance abuse treatment center. I start at the very, very bottom. I'm making $13 an hour. So I work there for about a year and a half when they're doing 
corporate layoffs, I don't take offense to the fact that they're getting rid of me. Like I'm a nobody. That's kind of how I felt. I wind up going back there years later because they called me up and said, we want you back. And I went back and I had a nice run, 10 years, you know, and I moved up the ladder and I eventually had the word corporate in my title, which I, if anyone knows me, I don't want to be part of corporate America. I worked in this treatment center to help people get clean and sober. That was why I was there. And so it was a strange thing for me to start moving up the ladder that high anyways, you know, so, but I did feel very safe because of my tenure. You know, most people in a treatment center last a couple of years, if, if that, if that, so it's a very hard business. It's, there's a great deal of burnout. So it's difficult to maintain that kind of tenure or stay at a job. Like You use the word untouchable, which I wrote down, untouchable and safe. I think a lot of people that work at a job for 10 plus years probably feel very similar. Like, hey, they're never going to let go of me. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that assessment? You felt that way. No, 100%. I felt untouchable to the point where I've said that out loud. But at the same time, I also was just like, no one's untouchable. I remember, you know, my father, our father telling me that the higher you get up in a company, the worse it is. The higher you get up and the more money you make, the easier it is as a decision to get rid of you. And I remember him telling me, like, you never want to make too much money. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay. But so as I moved up, I knew that that could happen. I just never thought it would because I always kept myself very close to the groundwork. Like I I was running groups, I was participating in patient care. So I still thought that I had that connection. But again, it's not my decision. At the end of the day, it's not my decision. It's not. They don't, they're they're not going to pick survival of the company over what's best for Kara and her family. Right. Ever. Like that's never going to happen. I don't think anybody has ever had that situation happen to them. Well, you know what? We're just going to risk the company going under and you can keep your job because you're making all this money. Right. Yeah, I remember dad saying that. And and that's 100% true. The older you get, the more money you get, the easier it is for them to cut you because they can just find someone younger to do it and pay them less. Which turned out to be totally accurate. I mean, I don't know what's happening there with my old role or if that's gone or not. That's their business. I don't hold a resentment. It's a company decision. I understand that. And I put myself in that position. And so I'm not I'm not angry with them. It's definitely taken some time for me to process through that. 10 years is a very long time. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of relationships there. But again, I understand the business. I understand the corporate world. So yeah. I'm not taking offense to that, especially because, you know, dad told me that when I was like 19 years old. So yeah, me too. Okay. <laughs> so let's go back to the event, right? The unexpected, you're out. Okay. Maybe just t- touch a little bit about like what you were thinking and then what were your next like series of moves that you were considering? Because you're obviously not there anymore. You're doing something else now, which we'll get into, but just maybe go back and kind of tell us about what you were thinking. Because that's a pretty traumatic moment. Yeah. I mean, oddly enough, I had my car in for service across the street, so I didn't even have a way to leave. That was really shocking. Like, I, so basically I had to like call my wife and she came with my four month old daughter to pick me up. I'm like one of the saddest moments as I'm standing out there just out, outside of campus. But the day before I had reached out to a friend of mine who is in private practice and has been in private practice for quite some time. She had left, we had worked together at the same institution. She had left and started her own private practice years ago. And I had reached out to her to make a lunch date. And 
she literally texted me back during this event. And I was like, I'll meet you up tomorrow. And she's like, I got you. She's like, I got you. Don't worry. We're going to figure this out. And so I was went home and kind of processed and thought to myself, I think it's time for me to step out into a private practice and see if I can do that. Because I've been told for years that I would be good at it. I just never wanted to do it because I was afraid. And also because I thought I was secure in the job that I had. That's really what happened in that moment. And my wife supported it 100%. I never even looked at a full-time job. I never even considered it. I was like, I'm moving forward with a private practice, especially after I met up with my friend. Right. Someone who's done it before and helped you. So you looked for answers and help and support from people that had actually have, have their own business, right? I remember you called me and talked to me a little bit about it. We had a conversation. You were, you know, toying around a couple of ideas, but you ultimately landed here and you made the decision with your family. Did you ask anybody outside, like in a W-2, what, the, what their advice was? I'm just curious. Well, I didn't really ask. They were telling me, go. I mean, it's honestly like it had been this kind of spiritual, emotional thing for me that was it was time for me to move forward. I believe in those things. And so, yeah, the people that I know in my nine to five are the same people in the treatment center and they have a lot of the same people want the same things as I do. Yeah. So they've already started their side gigs because it's very clear to see that you can do half the time at work. You can work 20 hours a week in this private practice and make the same or more, most likely more in the role full time. Okay. I remember that conversation. Awesome. So from the time that you left, right, or the time that they made you leave, you didn't choose to leave. How quickly did you start your private practice? Like what was the, the time frame there? From the time that I got laid off, I definitely took some time to process, to relax. And I was able to do that again. I'll give credit to my father who told me that you need to save your money and that you should always have at least three months of pay in the bank. So I will let everybody know that, that that's what I did. And I had the money there. So I was able to think about my next steps without being totally stressed out and going back into something I didn't want to because of finances. So I basically took, I would say I had my first client at the very end of June and I got laid off mid-May. So I started pretty much, I would say two weeks. I rested for like two weeks, stayed with my family. And then I started taking the steps to move forward with the business, getting you know a, a name, a business name, an LLC, things like that. And like talking to my friends. I have about three colleagues that are in private practice that I spoke to. And then I spoke to you. I spoke to another friend of mine who has her own business. And I kind of kept those people as my circle. You mentioned steps. This is very important because I think a lot of people freak out when they think about starting their own business and they say, well, I can't see, I, you know, there might be 30 or 40 steps and they just have to know all of them. And because of that, they are paralyzed and they never do anything, right? Fear sets in and it's like, I don't, well, I, this isn't going to work. I'm just not going to do it. And you just mentioned steps. So did you walk us through that? Because I think it's very simple. It's much easier to start a business when you just break it down into a series of very, very tiny steps, small steps versus, well, I got to 
I got to open up the business tomorrow and where are all the clients going to come from? Like walk us through that, how you went through that process, please. I called a couple of my colleagues and they told me where to start and how they did it basically. They, you know, they didn't say you have to do it this way, but basically it's like, go get the LLC, get the EIN, the tax number. By the way, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Anybody who knows me knows like this business side of life is not me. I am. She's totally right, folks. She's, to, I, she's, she's not, she's telling the truth. Yeah. It's like, go. So they were basically step by step. Go do this. Go do this. After you do this, then you can go to the bank and get your business account. You want to have a business account. Then let's do your psychology today profile. And I listened to some podcasts on how to maximize that profile. Get a picture, get your headshots, get that in there. It was one step at a time. I didn't overwhelm myself every day. And by by late June, I already have one client. And one of those reasons is because I'm pretty well known in the areas and I know a lot of people so I can network fairly easy. Yeah. So marketing isn't this huge thing that's a stress for me because of that, because of relationships and therapy is quite like that. Sure. Where you're networking in that way and meeting just by me going and telling other people that I'm out there in the business. I was getting phone calls. Okay, what's your specialty? Where where's your office? People were inquiring because I have a skill set. Yeah. So this is so awesome. I, I really think people are going to love this episode. I, I'm loving it. There's we got so much more to talk about. One of the things that you did, Kara, was instead of being like, well, I lost my job. I don't know what to do. You just simply took what you were already doing, what you knew how to do, and did it yourself. You just said, I don't need them. I don't need corporate. You can do this on your own. You didn't have to go out and learn a new skill. Well, you had to learn how to open up a business, but you went out and had people tell you exactly what to do. And it sounds like you followed it step by step, which great job. Good on you. So you got your first client in June. Then how quickly were you getting other clients? What, what did that look like? It was a slow momentum there through June and July. Mm -hmm. I was still kind of just starting up things. And again, emotionally, spiritually, I was still kind of processing everything that happened. I did have a, I have a, I have a one-year-old now. So she was four or five months then. So I was spending a lot of quality time with her. So I didn't have a full court press on again, because I felt safe because of my finances, because what I had done before in preparation mm -hmm. for this moment, even though I didn't think it was coming. So August was good. And then September doubled, October doubled. And then now it's kind of I'm sitting here in this same kind of flow. But again, something that you talk about all the time in December, I took two weeks off and I didn't ask anybody. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, I took two weeks off, PTO, paid time off. I pay, I take, I take control of that myself. And so December, obviously not as big as November because I was off for a couple of weeks, but I have a good momentum going. I'm learning as I'm going. I'm learning new things. I'm learning about the clients that are my ideal match for me. And then I'm going to seek those people out. You know, that's one of my goals for 2024 is to seek out those where I feel they're my ideal client and that will line up well. And that's kind of what's been happening over the past couple of months is I'm giving myself this chance to learn and to see what's working. And I'm learning too that virtual, a lot of people love virtual therapy and I'm into that 100%, you know? So, but before that, I wasn't sure. But after doing it for a while, it's working out great. And that's one of the lessons that I've learned. You're learning as you go. All right. Right. Yeah. 
I, I love everything you just said. I, I mean, about, I love the two weeks off thing. You don't have to ask anybody like, I'm getting emotional here. This is, I'm just super proud of you, Kara. I mean, honestly, this is just awesome. So awesome. How many clients do you have now, roughly? I have 10. 10. So you got, so you went from one to 10 in less than a year. You're doing it from home. Are you, and you know, I'm talking about your finance, but are you, are you at the point where you're working less and making as much or maybe more than you were at the job? I am working less and making more, but I need to work more, even though it's less. I, that's hard to understand. Um, you know, 10 clients, I need to get to Florida up. Florida State, Kara, you might have to explain that to me a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't. Basically, the plan, the way that's designed, I will definitely be working less. I am a therapist, a counselor. I will not be doing more than 20 sessions a week. That would be burnt. Okay, so yeah. that's, but I don't need to do any more than 16 or 17 to make what I was making in my past job. I'm not doing 16 or 17 yet. So yes, I still need to work more, get more clients and and do those things. But when I get to 16, 17, I don't, I'm good, Got which it. is insane because I, when I was a clinician, I was working over 40 hours a week. I was totally and completely burned out after a year or two in the agency. It was very, very difficult to maintain. It is a lot of work. It's very hard. Yeah. And so like to have this is to what I feel is just like, this is the payoff for all that hard work. Totally. Totally. Okay. Because, so yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, because in our business and I will like shout out to some of the agencies out there that help us because I had to I had to get supervision and all these things in order to get my license. Yeah. And I got my license through that agency work. And so when I put my time in there, I was able to to get what I need. Other people are doing that on the outside in private practice also. So you can do it there too. But this is the business we're in. We have to put in the time to get the license. How long have you been sober for, Kara? I've been sober for 18 plus, 18 plus years. 18 plus. So you went down a lane where you felt that you, you you wanted to give back. You loved it. You love helping people. And then that ultimately became your business. So you're passionate about what you do. Like you like to get, you like to go to the desk in the morning. Yes. Yes, I do. I mean, people on here in private practice think I'm crazy because I want to work with addicts and alcoholics, but I enjoy them. And I, if you're, if, if people are trying to get sober and they want to get sober, I know that I can help them. And so, yeah, they might not be the best client for um, retention yeah. because sometimes they drink. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I still enjoy every time I meet with somebody and I know that I can help them. I still enjoy that work and I'm passionate about it and they need somebody too. So they do. They do. Yeah. And you've realized that you don't need to work for corporate. You can. So you. Yeah, I get what you said now because you said I, I have to work more to get to the sixteen to seventeen. But right now, where you're at, you could kind of just say, "Okay, I'm I'm good. I'm making more money. I'm working less. I don't have to grow this thing if you choose not to." And you can just say, "Hey, I'm I'm taking a month off or two weeks off, and you don't have to ask anybody." Which is that's what everybody wants. Everybody listening, I know that that's what you want. Yeah, I mean, yeah. let me tell you something. Working in healthcare, as some of the people listening might. We don't get holidays off. They don't work. It's a 24-7 organization. So you have to rotate holidays if you're lucky. I mean, I've worked Thanksgiving. I've worked Christmas. I've worked every single holiday there is. And sometimes 
it comes to a point where it's like, I don't actually want to be here on Christmas Day. There were times where I was fine with it because mm -hmm. I'm giving back. I don't really have a lot to do anyways, just to be honest. But now I have a wife and a family and a daughter. I want to be Christmas morning, you know, even with my nephew. I wanted to go up to Chicago and I wanted to see him open presents on Christmas. I don't want to be in the organization again and again and again and again. So just having that relief where it's like, I don't have to ask or that is so, it's so stressful to think like it's April. I need to start asking for time off in December and I might not get it. It's yeah. stressful. Yeah. It's stressful. And so just that relief, it feels great. It yeah. feels, you know, that I don't, that I was able this time to say, I'm going from the 19th to the 27th and I'm taking off. So many people feel that way. I know that I know that they do. It's stressful. Like you got to put in, you know, at the beginning of the year, what holidays you want off. You know, I remember my wife, your sister-in-law with the same thing when she was in, when she was working her W-2. Do you think you would have done this if you didn't have a family at this point? If it happened to you and you were single, didn't have a family, do you think you would have opened up the business? I don't think so. Probably not. Mm. I mean, I can't really get into total details, but I might have just stayed for a demotion because I was too scared to leave. Wow. You know, I'm not saying that that happened or didn't happen, but like those things happen sometimes too, where it's just like, hey, you can stay, but in this demoted position with less money. And I might have just done that. How much does your family play into this decision and, and into your activities, right? Because you, you gotta you, you always have to have a reason not related to money as to why you're doing what you're doing every day. Yeah. I mean, I looked at the fact that I have a four-month-old and the way that it was set up was that I was just going to be with her on the weekends because I'm working during the week. And so I said to myself, wow, if I start this private practice where I only have to really work 17 or 18 hours a week, I can really spend some time with my daughter in this time frame where I can never get it back. And now it's like we are totally sec securely attached. Those of you who understand child development, we are totally securely attached. She knows who I am. We are like, buddies. And I don't know if that would have happened or happened as quickly if I was working in the W-2. Yeah. yeah. No, so beautiful. It's a big deal. I mean, there was a time in the early where she didn't even want me to put her to sleep. And now it's like, you're my girl. <laughs> yeah. So you get, you get to see her all the time. Because all the time. You're right in your own schedule. You're working from, from the house. You do a lot of virtual stuff. Uh, yeah. Do you have a quote unquote, you talk, I know you mentioned an office. Do you have a place that you can go in or do you do everything virtual? Yeah, no, I have. It's not my own office. I contracted out um, from colleagues. So that's something that we do in the business here is, you know, we kind of share offices because again, we don't have to be there 40 hours a week. Yeah. So you're, you're able to share time. Did you think this was going to be hard when you said, okay, I'm going to go do this? Did you think it was going to be difficult? Yeah. I mean, there was a part of me that thought the business aspect would be difficult. And you know me, it's like when I hit something that I don't understand, like business, I just normally stop. I never thought the therapy would be difficult. Never. I know how to do that really well, but I always thought like the business roadblocks would be difficult for me. But having the team, having the support of people, like having someone there for me who I could call up and then just say, yeah, no, do this click this button instead. I'm like, oh, okay. And then you click that button and then everything works. Click this button instead. I love it. Okay. So was it as hard as you thought it was going to be? No. 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 And I'm honestly 
why didn't I do this before? I'll tell you, I have a colleague of mine. We, we shared a hallway space. He was in the office next to me. He told me, I don't know, a year, maybe two years ago, he's like, you should start seeing patients on the side. He was basically telling me, start a side gig. And I was like, I don't have time for that. My wife's pregnant, blah, 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 blah. I don't have time for that. And I totally did. And the only, that's really one of my only regrets is that I didn't do that. Because if I did, I would have, he launched, you know what I mean? He just launched. So when he left, it was golden. And so like, I am still growing where I would have had all that growth if I would have done the side gig. Yeah. I don't have time for that. One of the biggest objections slash excuses, whatever you want to call it, that everybody makes as to why they are not willing to change their life. You said it verbatim. Mm -hmm. I put out some, I didn't cue this up. Yeah. She just said this on her own. What yeah. does that mean? What does that mean? Looking back now, what did those words mean to you? I don't have time for that. I mean, it was, I mean, I don't want to say BS. It wasn't accurate. It wasn't authentic. It wasn't true because I did have time. Basically, what it was, was I don't want to do that in my spare time or I'm afraid to do that. You know, most of the time when I don't want to do something, it's because I'm afraid to do it. But I did not want to do it. And so I just made up an excuse like I don't have time. And that wasn't true. That wasn't right. true. I was working in a space why I didn't even have my daughter yet. So please, now that I have my daughter, I know I had time before. <laughs> uh, yeah. I tons of free time without a kid. Everybody without a kid, you know, it's tons of free time or with um, kids. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that is what you I said. I didn't want to. I was like, again, I told you at the beginning, I'm comfortable. Yeah. I'm making decent money enough to save, enough to invest. I don't need or want to do that because that's just extra work. I didn't see what it would have done for me in the future. I didn't see how it would get me out of what I was in. I just saw it as more work. Because you were untouchable and safe. Yeah, I was untouchable. I was safe. I felt like I would be getting more promotions. I thought that I was on my way to like the tippity tippity top. I thought, you know, I was like more mid, but I felt like I was going to get up there. I just felt so secure that why do that? Why go out there and see six clients a week? Why work six more hours? I didn't see the benefit. I didn't see the long-term benefit. And he was looking at me saying, do it. We're close colleagues now. I, you know, he's in a peer supervision group with me on the outside. And so we, I don't mention that to him that I should have listened to him, but I should have. I should have. A lot of us say that, right? Hey, I wish yeah. I would have done it sooner. I, I, I should have took that advice. But you, you know what? You did. You did. And I don't think that you probably have any regrets based on what ha what occurred, right? This this probably went down the way it was supposed to go down. Yeah, for sure. And I think I'm a big you know believer in planting the seed. I think that he planted a seed in me by even mentioning that, the fact that I have the skills. And when I did get laid off, I'm hearing those voices of people telling me, hey, you could do this. And then I remember that he said that to me. And I remember that other people have said that to me before that you can do it. So I had a lot of, you know, m motivation to do it because of all the positive reinforcement I had gotten throughout the years. Beautiful. I love yeah. it. Okay. Where do we go? We're listening. Okay. Mm -hmm. Guys, don't stop and write stuff down. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Where do we go to learn more about you and your brand new, well, it's not that brand new, your private practice? I have an Instagram account. It's at Kara's Counseling. It, my name is with a C, so Kara's Counseling. It goes together. I have on that platform on Instagram, I have a link to my pro, um, psychology today. 
mm-hmm. in which you can just see my specialties, which my specialty is addiction, but we're in working with addicts, I have seen pretty much everything come through anxiety, depression, relationship issues, relationship issues. I'm pretty good at that because most addicts and alcoholics have struggles with all of their relationships. I do some couples therapy too that's working out well. So yeah. Love it. Well, I would suspect that your, again, guys, we're going to leave a link in the show notes for Kara's and it's C-A-R-A, which is the right way to spell it. I would assume that people are going to resonate with your story and they might reach out to you and just be like, hey, you know, you inspired me and, you know, how did you do this and how did you do that? So uh, I'm sure you're going to be okay with that because, you know, this is an, this is inspiring to me. The fact that you did this with a four month old baby like that. Most people would not do that. Yeah. Yeah. That part was kind of scary because yeah. I was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to provide everything that she needed. But honestly, what she needed was me. She needed me and my presence, me being there. Right. Didn't need monetary things from me. She needed me being there for her. And so that's a gift that came out of this, which I'm really excited about. But yeah, no, anyone can reach out to me. I'm always open to helping addicts and alcoholics. If you have any questions, I definitely will answer them for you. Awesome. I love what you said about your daughter. I mean, she's the pet. Your kids don't care how much money you make, people. They don't care. My son doesn't care how much money I have. He wants me to play catch with him. He wants me to take him to baseball practice. Y'all think that they care about how much money you have. That's you. That's all on you. All right, I'm yelling yeah. here. I sound like Yeah, no, no. She's, she's totally provided for. And like we take her to the library. You know, the library, the public library system does free things for kids all the time. We take her there. She loves it. I mean, she's one. So, you know, looking at a book and playing with some toys with some other one-year-olds is a really really fun thing for her. So we've found things that aren't expensive. And she has no idea the difference between an expensive toy or a pot or a pan. (laughs) Zero. Well, I can tell you that my little niece there is totally blessed. There could not be two better parents that I could ever find for her. So she's a lucky kid. And I know you feel the same way too about you. I do this with all the guests. I'm going to do it with you guys. Just know this is coming. So we'll wrap it up here. This has been awesome. Everyone, check out her Instagram profile. Make sure that you're following her. Please, at the very least, follow her if you're not going to reach out to her for help. Hit us with your best stuff. Do you have a quote that you love? Like, do you have something that, like, drop a bomb on us, Gary? I know you got, I know you got some good stuff. A quote that I love? Or something. Like, give, us your, give us your best stuff. What would you leave? Like, you know who you're talking. You know who's listening, right? People are doubting themselves. They want to start something. What's a takeaway that you would give them? What's some advice that you would give to that, to that room right now? I think that fear is okay. If you're afraid, that's natural. And I think a lot of people are trying to not be afraid. And it's not about fear. It's not about being afraid. It's about being afraid and doing it anyways. That's where the magic happens. If you're afraid to do something, Find a way to do it because that's when the magic will happen. It's called courage, right? So I think there's this whole like societal thing about let's not be scared and let's distract from fear. No, embrace the fear and move through the fear and then see what happens. And it's pretty amazing. And that's kind of where I'm at is when I feel intimidated or I feel afraid or I feel like I'm not good enough, I just do it anyways. Just do it anyways. What's the worst that can happen? Bravo. That was 
I can't write all that down, but I'm going to pull it from the from the notes. That was just that was that should be on a billboard somewhere behind your office there. Really? Yeah, I just I mean, literally just came from my morning meditation. So like that's, you know, I mean, thanks for you're welcome for for sharing your story. Super inspiring. I love it. I know that you're going to get to the 16 to 17 clients and you deserve it. You've earned it. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm you know, I'm excited. I'm I'm ready to have this thing blow up and just be turning people down or (laughs) not turning people down, but referring them to other people, you know, or have a waiting list. I mean, have a waiting list. Stop it. You know, (laughs) like, who am I? Oh, excuse me. I have a waiting list. Yeah. (laughs) But no, I'm excited. I'm excited to like get back to my roots because when I was working at the agency, I was in a job where I wasn't having as much contact with the client care as I wanted. And so I'm back to doing what I love the most. And so I think that's going to pay off passion and purpose. That's what it's about. It is. I love it. Good. And thanks for the good belly laugh at the end there too. Okay. Guys, Kara is one of the funniest people that I've, that I've ever known that she's always good for a belly laugh. Everyone in the house is rolling on the floor whenever she's here. So get to know her a little bit. All right, everyone, make it a great day. I'll see you tomorrow.